Suwatu Salama Ra was born 27 years ago. Her name means born during war to bring in peace sent by God. Something that was really important during my name and ceremony was that people didn't come with like your regular baby shower gifts. You know, like they didn't come with like clothes or toys. They came with like lifetime commitments. Sawatu's mom is Rhonda Anderson. I'm a single mother of four. I've been an environmental justice organizer for the past 18 years. I also worked with labor. I worked with labor for about 25 years. So my life has been constant activism in some way or another. You might know Sawatu from her work following in her mom's footsteps as an environmental activist and organizer. She is a co-director of the East Michigan Environmental Action Council. In July of 2017, Sawatu was at her mom Rhonda's house with her two-year-old daughter. Sawatu's niece, Ndeye, was there too. One of Ndeye's classmates came over for a sleepover. The two young girls had recently had an altercation at school, and the adults in the house didn't want Ndeye's classmate there. So the girl's mother, Chanel Harvey, drove over to the house to pick her daughter up, and a conflict ensued. She had come to our house very upset, very angry. She started yelling at me, screaming at me, cursing at me. I'm asking her to leave, just go, you know, and she wouldn't. And so the next thing that she did was ram her car into my car. That shocked fear in me. Sawatu's two-year-old was playing inside the car. Then, Harvey tried to use the vehicle to run Sawatu's mother over. Fearing for their lives, Sawatu held her weapon in plain sight, hoping to stop Harvey from running them over. Sawatu is a licensed concealed gun owner. Her gun was not loaded. Michigan is an open carry state. Michigan is a stand-your-ground state. But that didn't matter. Sawatu was sentenced to a mandatory two years in prison on a felony firearm charge. She was incarcerated immediately after sentencing. At the time of sentencing, she was in her third trimester of pregnancy. Sawatu gave birth to a baby boy, Sakai, on May 21, 2018 under the watch of prison guards. Sakai was taken from Sawatu within 48 hours. She spent 258 days in state prison. Last month, Sawatu was released on bond. She and her team are working on an appeal, hoping she won't be sent back to prison to serve the remainder of her sentence. We are humbled and thrilled to welcome Sawatu and her mom, Rhonda Anderson, to how to survive the end of the world. They spoke to Adrian recently from Rhonda's dining room table. Really nobody knew what was going on with me until after the conviction. Um, and that's when kind of, that's when like, um, you know, I threw my hands up. I was like, literally like crying out for help for my community to yeah. to step in. Um and the reason why and is like because up until then you were like I think this is going to work out differently. Yeah, it was totally like 
like we had it under control. This was something very simple. Um, this was, you know, we felt like, you know, I don't know. I, I felt like the truth would, was obvious. The, it was like, how could this, how could this go wrong? You know? And it did. It went all the way wrong. It went totally wrong. Um, and, um, my mom, I just remember like, uh, after the conviction, um, after hearing guilty, um, didn't know what to do. I couldn't even like, I wasn't even present in my body. Um, six months pregnant, um, total panic attack. Um, first thing that went through my, my mind was, my children, and that's all I kept saying was my children, my children, my children. You know, yes. I'm talking to my mom like, "Mom, my children, my that's children." Right. You know, and um, um, I remember like the goddamn bailiff officer that was in the in the courtroom telling me to get myself together. You know, really like I, I would never forget that. Like the officer telling me to get myself together. You know, after the after the guilty, um, but um, rushed to the hospital, rushed to the hospital to check on the baby. He was fine, and then made it home. And my mom called Michelle Martinez. You no, know, Michelle called me. Michelle called you. To you know, like I think I I called Michelle yeah. and I just cried. Yes. And I what Michelle told yeah. me over that phone was. Michelle said, "She said she would. So what? She would mortgage her home. She said, so this is not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen. How could they get this wrong? Uh-huh. You know. She said, so what? I love you so much. She said, I will put my house up for mm-hmm. you. You know. And I was just like, when she said that, I was like, mm. what? You know, like, no. You know, like what? You would do that for me, right. but no. You know, like yeah. that was the moment where, um, where." I recognize what kind of community I belong to. And um, yes. and that's when she rushed on over with her laptop, her two children. Um, in a storm. In, yes, a, a in storm. the snowstorm. 12 inches of um, snow on top of six inches of snow that was already on the ground. Yeah. And 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 started to send out these mass emails to our community uh, to talk about what had happened and how wrong, um, like, you know, like how how I was wronged within the criminal justice system within Wayne County, you know, within the Frank Murphy yeah. Hall of Justice, you know, um, well, yeah. I, you know, so, and that's where it started. Yeah, so you you put out the call to your community, and you know, Michelle is also a long term environmental justice activist and a close family friend, um, and then there's so many people that you know responded, right? Responded to the call. Like, how can we help? What can we do? Um, And so I want to hear a little bit about, you know, how that period of time felt, right? Where you're like reaching out to people. It seems like the most vulnerable thing in the world, you know, to suddenly be like, okay, I need, I need a help um, from folks, you know? Um, And my experience of y'all is that you're very much like, you know, the way you hold each other down as a family is like, we, it's us, <laughs> you know, we have each other's mm-hmm. backs um, and we take care of each other. And suddenly having to be like, we have to ask everyone that we know and people we don't know. Um, so I just want to hear a little bit about how that felt for y'all. 
I think a lot of activists and organizers, we give so much of ourselves, you know. Yes. We give so much of ourselves to, to others, which is, I mean, why we're here on this planet. is That's really why we're here, is to be of service to other people. And that's it. And to be loving and kind. Yeah. And so our everyday life when we're in meetings when we're organizing when we're when you know when we're doing, doing our thing where we are fighting for other people you know we're fighting for ourselves but we're but we're thinking of other people right um the ones who who um who can't fight for themselves or you know things like that but so to be on the receiving end to kind of say like all right we need help you know my life is ending you know, this is um, my children, you know, my children need your help. Um, I'm being taken away. Um, it was very scary, very scary, but yet I felt protected. I felt protected. Um, and I felt like this huge relief. You know, I remember just sitting in the at this dining room table saying like, you know, listen, like literally like watching the emails pop up on the computer, um, the responses of people and being like, oh my God, you know, like look at, like look at people, you know, like look at these amazing, beautiful people who have literally like come to, to, to our aid, like, you know, like, and some of it felt, you know, like, you know, like, well, who are we, you know, that you guys would come and do all of this for, you know, like, who are we, you know, like, and people were like, what, you know, we love you, and I I didn't know, you know, I don't, I didn't, I've never seen so many people come together Mm. like that in my life. That's right. Like that in my life. Mm. Um, So, so one of the things Early on was, um, there was Michelle. Michelle came by, started the work. The following day was Saturday, and more people came by. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the Sunday, more people came by. And it was almost like every day after that, more and more people were coming by. So this house became too small. We moved over to Michelle Martinez's house and more people would show up. And it was the it was a lot of mamas with a lot of babies. Mm-hmm. Um and um Michelle's back room turned into a daycare <laughs> center. Yes. <laughs> but they didn't stay in the back room. They were running all over the place. So um it was just kind of um amazing and that's what i was saying before how if how whatever this magnet that was set in front of us just pulled all of the people together and that's not to take anything away uh from from the men that showed up like blair anderson mm. kim hunter mm-hmm. uh bryce mm-hmm. um uh antonio mm-hmm. uh shane mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh malik yakini uh all these all of the um all of the yeah. ones that showed up you know with their gifts it was like people showing up with a handful of gifts 
and their talent saying here this is, we, we this is what we have to contribute and we want to give you this and that just kept going on even to this day people are still showing up saying what can i do mm -hmm. um i want to help what can i do mm -hmm. you know um and when this started coming from all over the world that was mind-boggling that was um it was it was just so awesome, so amazing. And at the same time that that was happening, we were going through our hell. You know, we were in a place that um, I've only, myself, I've only experienced with the passing of um, my oldest child, you know. So, uh -huh. and even uh -huh. that had... Um, kind of um, um, a, not a limit to it because my son passed and so your head tells you certain things you know like you won't see yeah. this but to have a child put away in a place you know that you can't get to to get them out of that place that's a right. whole different kind of um, reality you know so Hearing her phone calls, you know, and the 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 cries, the you know, I can't do this, mommy, and you know, it was um, it was just um, it was just um, it was like a living hell, like a living nightmare. So you had this nightmare, and then you had all of this love and um contributions on this side mm -hmm. so it was I don't even know what you call that you know having to work between <laughs> uh have to yeah. function between these two existences you know of uh yeah so yeah well and you know that's exactly where I was you know interested in going to next because it's like the community comes out and um and I I think in spite of I think everyone was like we are powerful, <laughs> you know, we are a movement, like we will be able to stop this. Um, and we believe in miracles. We, we believe we do the impossible all the time. And so we're going to be able to stop this. And I think for everyone, it was just, it's been such a humbling journey um, to be like, okay, the only way out of this situation is to go through some portion of it. Um, and so there's a place where y'all's paths split into two. Um, and Sawatu, you know, you were behind bars and Rhonda, you were on the outside. Um, and so Rhonda, what you were just speaking to is exactly what, what I wanted to ask both of y'all about is how did you survive? How did you survive, um, those months, um, while you were apart, while you were giving birth, while you were, um, calling each other, while you were, you know, how did you move through? And I, I know some of it. Um, but I feel like there's so much wisdom in how y'all survived and, and whatever you're able to share. Well, for me, it was, um, it was, um, it's actually kind of indescribable one. Um, at the same time, it's almost like you can't say how you survive because you're so busy trying to survive. You can't, you can't think, you can't, you aren't, you aren't writing it down saying, oh, well, I did this and I did that, you know, but <laughs> yeah. what, 
What I do remember is having this sense of, especially when she was pregnant, because she would call me so often and say things like she couldn't make it. I can't do it, mommy. I can't do it. And like, how, how, how does a mom respond to a child that's saying, I can't, I can't do it. It's in, it's unimaginable. So I felt like I was carrying her on my shoulders and she's pregnant. I'm in water up to my chin and I'm trying my best to hold her up, you know, and every now and then I would go below, you know, the water would come up over me, you know. And so my, the, the important thing was keeping her above the water, you know, now how that happened. I can't explain it. I don't, I don't bit more. No, I don't, I don't know. It was just one of the, the most difficult challenges I've had, I've ever experienced. So, um, sometimes it was just simply indescribable. So I don't know how, how she did it. I don't know how she did it. We haven't even thought about this. How do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do it so much? How did I do it? Um, yeah. I don't know how the hell I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I gave birth in prison. Hey. I don't know. Um, I know that I was protected. I know that um, Yeah. every Prayers. time I asked, I said, you know, all right, God, show me that you're here. You know, just show me. That I'm, you know, not alone in this place and show me. And when I tell you, Adrian, he would show me every yeah. single time I would ask. Yeah. Um, and when it was almost like, um, you know, being in this very cold, dark box and you're yeah. using your hands to feel your way around. Yes. And you will hear this voice, and all it will say is, we got you, you know, uh-huh. we got you, you know, just just hold on, just hold on. And so um, I needed to hear that all the time. So I would ask all the time, all the time, all the time, right. you know, and every time it would say the same thing, just hold on. And that's what my mom would tell me. It's just, hold on. Just mm-hmm. hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Just hold on to what to, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I had to hold on. I had to hold on for Zala. Because there was many days where I didn't um, want to keep going. I didn't want to hold on. I said, no, I don't want to hold on. Why should I have to hold on to this madness, yeah. you know? Why should I right. um, give birth to him here? You know, why? Yeah. Why would I? Why? Right. You know. Um, so that meant a lot of phone calls. <laughs> that meant yes, yes. Um, you know, that meant um, that meant. A lot of money spent on those phone calls. Um, that meant finding 
a little hope in the place, finding hope within the prison, mm. finding um, mm. love mm. in the prison. And uh, most of it showed through the other inmates, the other mm. women, you know, mm. the other women who have wow. who had given birth there, you know, who had lived that that horror, that nightmare. Um, you know, some of it even showed through the officers. Hmm. So when you arrive in the prison, everyone has to go through something called quarantine, um, where you're you're on for the first three days. You're on twenty four hour lockdown. You can't come out of your cell at all. Um, and um, um, I spent many of those. Um, not many, but so those first three days were like really, really hard. Um, and, you know, the entire time while you're in quarantine, you don't know what time it is. You don't know. I mean, you, you're able to look out the window and tell if it's daylight or night, but you don't know what time it was. And so I spent a lot of time just like talking to the moon, you know, at night, you know, just talking to the moon, you know, and just kind of like telling myself, like, all right, so what? You know, just believe, 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 believe that the message will come. Believe that, you know, something is going to lead you through this. Just believe. You know, I wasn't able to call home during quarantine. Um, And so that meant I had to look for any, any and everything that would come my way. Rather it was, you know, so rather it was something that was written on the wall on the, on the side of the, the bunk or you know on the desk or um it was a lot of graffiti like on the walls of of, like the women who had come through that cell before me you can literally read the walls and it was literally filled with cries of help Mm. um scribbled on the wall um it was cries of help it was prayers it was bible verses it was um um, gang quotes and graffiti, you know, it was so many things that I remember being on those walls. Um, and it was, I remember it actually saying like never to write your name on the wall because it's almost like you'll come back or something like that. So I would never like, you know, you would, but you would see people's names and where they're from and, um, you know, and things like that. Um, but, uh, like after, the week after the first week, I was moved to a higher level, um, where you actually got um, switched from twenty-four hour lockdown to twenty-three hour lockdown. So you got one hour out. Um, you can either spend that hour outside or um, trying to hang on in that line of eighty women for one machine to write your family at home. Um, and so in that sale, I saw. A, a scripture that was written on top of the, the bunk I was sleeping on. Um, and every day, you know, when I would lay down, I would um, see that scripture. And I would, I was so angry, first of all. I wasn't even interested into picking up a book. I wasn't interested into reading anything. I was just so angry at where I was. And I felt like if I was to pick something up and read it, then I was accepting where I was. So for a long time, I did not, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't, 
I would just, I would make prayer, you know, and things like that. But I did not pick up their books. I did not pick up their Bibles. I did not, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to do a damn thing. Um, I would, you know, sit there and talk to Zakai, who, you know, in my stomach. Um, and, um, um, but one day after seeing the scripture, cause like every time I would lay down and look up, there it is, you know, and, um, something says, so I said, just look it up, you know, just look it up. And I had never, I never even like picked it. And I've, I've read the Bible a few times, like, you know, skimmed through it, but I didn't even know how to like even look up the scripture in this Bible. Um, but I, so here I am like trying to look at this. Um, this Bible and trying to find the the scripture and I found it. Um, I think it was chapter six, <laughs> chapter six, verse ten twelve or something like that. Um, but it's Ephesians, I think. Um, but it talked about I think so. Like the most important part is that it talked about. It said the first word said or the first sentence said finally I can make you strong and it said oh wow and then it started to talk about how I'm holding you mm. in this prison because there are evil forces at hand and it's not with humans but it's it's a evil force that is like playing out through humans and mm. um and it said, I'm holding you, I'm holding you hostage in this prison so that I can make you strong so that you can deliver the good message of peace. Mm. And I said, wow. I closed that Bible and I said, no way. You know, <laughs> I, I slid it, <laughs> I slid it all over, you know, away from me. And no, I was like, you, no, 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 no. Thank you, Lord. Like, who do mm-hmm. you think, <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I was just blown away. I was blown away. And I was like, you know, and, and, and many times my mind would play so many, like, my or my ego would, you know, just kind of, like, fight against things like that that would happen in the prison for me, you know? Um just like small, like, you know, messages that would come to me that I knew, you know, my higher brain would know that that's a message to you. That's a message to you. That's your ancestors talking to you. That's, that's, that's the universe talking to you. That's God talking to you. You know, and then the, the ego part would say, no, because, you know, why? You know, or, or you know, but then yeah. I, the higher brain would say, well, why would... Why would, is it a coincidence that, that you made it to that cell, that you slept on that bunk, that had just that scripture, like, you know, right. like, you could have went to you the, to hear. you know, like, that, yeah, you know, like, it was just yeah. many, many things that was like, that my lower brain was like, to, sometimes like, fight what against. you need to hear is not what you want to hear. Right. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, like. But I love this idea of the lower brain and the higher brain, mm-hmm. and um, just the relationship between the two. And I wonder if you, 
you know, can speak about, were you in any kind of intentional practices around, you know, like this, so much of what you're talking about is like, oh, I could see that my ego was at work here. I could see that my lower brain was at work here. And for me, that kind of self-awareness has come through meditation. Um, and I'm wondering if you were engaging in any kind of practices like that, that were helping you to, you know, just, just deepen into that self-awareness, deepen into what you could see of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a new, a whole new Sawata was created in a prison cell, you know? Um, Uh and, um, I think that, um, I remember, like I said, I was not going to read anything. I was not going to seek anything. I, I said, God, this is what I said. This is how horrible, horrible I was. I said, God, all right, if you want to tell me something, then you're going to have to bring it to me because I'm not going to seek. I'm, I was just so angry. Yes. <laughs> and I'm being real with you. I'm being so real that I was so yes, upset. I, believe it. I was so angry because I remember telling my mom, I said, God must must hate me. Yeah, she said that. I said, God must. I said, Mama, the universe is hating me right now for, because I could not understand how this had happened. I did not understand how I ended up in I, not a county jail, but a prison, you know, and and, and pregnant and, and pregnant. I said, God, really? Look, I, you know, I was just so, so much in disbelief and so much. So angry for so long, um, and so I remember. So I remember like um, there's there's something called like a, a day room where you, you got like chairs and tables, a TV for all of the women to come and like watch TV and stuff okay. like that and chill out. So this, I'm in a unit of this is a pregnant and postpartum unit. Um, it's about sixty women in total. It's the smallest unit in, in the entire prison, um, and so this day room is like always full. You know. Always full, always loud, always like exciting and all of that, or sad, you right. know, because it's either right. like right. a bunch of card games going on or a bunch of women surrounding the JPEG machine looking at their looking at pictures of their newborn babies. Um, mm. This was a very sad unit, very emotional um, unit. Um, um, and I remember walking to that day room. Walking into the day room and it was completely empty, completely empty. And this was so rare because this is a full unit, you know, and so it, you you never saw this day room empty. Um, and there was a table right in the middle of the day room and there was one book sitting there. And I and something said, so I had to pick up this book, but then my higher brain said, no, the higher brain said, pick up this book. This book is for you. And my lower brain said, no, I'm not picking up that damn book. <laughs> you know, I'm going to walk past that book, you know. And um, so my higher brain won, and I picked up the book, um, and I took it back to my cell, and I started to read this book. No, actually, I didn't even read it. I sat it on, I sat it on, the, on the table, and it sat there for about a couple days, you know, because I would just look at it. You know, just look at it and be like, no, I'm not going. So I, it was this back and forth, back and forth thing um, with myself. And finally, I just picked it up and read the book. What was the name of the book? It was called Deep and Simple mm-hmm. um, by Bolazov. Bolazov, okay. um, okay. um, he actually died a few years ago, 2012. Um, but he, 
<laughs> this amazing soul, amazing soul. Um, he did a lot of um, prison work. Um, prison. Um, he had a, a project called the Prison Ashram Project, um, where for okay. 20 years he worked with um, prisoners, whether they were on death row, um, um, like some of the like what they call the world's most heinous criminals and things like that, like, and yes. would help them to reach their inner peace, um, which is something that we all seek, right? You know, like we all, right. we all seek this oneness um, with the universe. And he was, you know, able to steer, you know, men and women who were inside of a prison to that oneness. And so, um, um, he helped. So the, the my community, Bo, my mom, literally saved my life in in yeah. prison. Um, and um, I remember reading this book and just being like, just so blown away, you know, just because it was it was like exactly what I needed. It had all. It, it was it was answering the questions that I had. You know, the like, why me? You know, what what do you want? You know, like. Um, what am I supposed to do? Um, I'm fighting against this. You know, it was like Bo in this book meant so much to me because it it it, it helped me mm-hmm. to kind of like relax inside of this prison cell and to be still and to meditate and to you know like kind of answer some of these questions that I had about what I was going through and to also prepare myself to give birth in prison. Um, mm. Right. And right. Um, I think. Um, that if I didn't have Bo, um, it would have went totally, um, you know, bad for me inside of there. Um, yeah. And I remember yeah, actually like, yeah, yeah, I think. And then like, I remember the pregnant counselor who was really not helpful at all. Um, <laughs> she called me to her <laughs> office. Yeah, who she called me to? Well, Vince kind of said she was helpful in this way. Um, she called me to um, her office to kind of like check on me, like you know, oh, I just you know wanted to check on you. I heard that um, you're anticipating being let out of prison. I I just don't want you to get your hopes up. I remember, like, this is what she was telling me. You know, like, I don't want you to get your hopes yeah. up because this is like probably not going to happen. You know. And um, wow. I remember looking at her desk while she's telling me this madness, right? And um, seeing Deep and Simple on her book, I mean, on her desk. And I'm like, oh, I got that book, you know? Um, and she was like, really? Yeah, you know? And she was like, here's all of his books that he's written, you know, on her desk. Like, So she had like six or seven books that he's written. And she was like, you can yeah. have them all. You know, and so I, I left her office with all of Bo's books. Um, and so um, it really, really helped me because inside of a prison, inside of a cell, you don't have your cell phone. You don't have your family. You don't have um, your laptop. You don't. You literally are stripped from every type of thing that, you know, brings you some type of comfort. Um, and you're yeah. forced to sit with yourself um, and to do any type you know some type of work on yourself and that yeah. um that is you know so if anybody walks out of a prison 
who is enlightened, it is the work of themselves and it is despite of the prison, you know? Um, yes, yes. And so um, Bo helped me to take advantage of that hell. Well, and it sounds like you started a bunch of projects. You know, you did projects the whole time you were inside. At least it looked like you were, you know, like I felt like every time I turned around, it was like, now there's a poetry and kites project and you were bringing the voices of other prisoners out and then you talking about you know muslim muslim mothers and pregnancy and birth rights and you know i'm really curious about how those projects bubbled up and and how they sustained you as well cuz i'll i'll say this i remember the night before you um were taken away that you said to a whole room of us um you know you were like there's some purpose in this um, and it was like even through your anger and your terror, because, you know, I remember sitting next to you and feeling the terror that was literally thrumming through your body. You know, it was just like um, I could feel that. And then I could also feel your resolve that these would not be wasted. This would not be wasted time no matter what happened. Um, and that that was getting that was getting echoed back to you from the community. It's like, you know, whatever this is, there's there's a purpose to it. And the sooner you realize that. Um, the more you'll be able to serve it. And so I wanted to ask you some of, 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 of the purpose you discovered in that place and um, about those projects, you know, about the poetry, about those other pieces. Well, I mean, I think that uh, if any organizing mother, any organizing um, activist um, found themselves inside of a prison, you, you're going to respond the way you know to respond, which is to organize, which is to respond to um, an unjust situation um, and try your best to bring about change. Um, our brains is wired to respond in that way. Um, we're able to identify a unjust situation and try to, you know, and try to, you know, fix it to bring some humanity back into it. And so that's that was something that was really big for me is to kind of like bring humanity back into this pod of women in here, you know. Um and um and it I hope that it you know made a difference, you know. Um but um it did. It started with um the Muslim women who um, were uh, being mistreated. Be- I mean, for one, you're mistreated in there because you're a criminal, right? Or because they say you're a criminal, right? They, um, yeah. So like you, you, you don't even like deserve to be respected, or you don't even deserve to eat fresh food. You don't deserve to drink clean water. You don't deserve to have a adequate pillow or mattress to sleep on you don't deserve to you know breastfeed your baby you don't like to you don't deserve mm. to give birth in it's all um yeah it's it's it is like the way we view our punitive system must change um and um it's and I'm not saying it should it must change and this this is going to affect the way that this world is heading. Um, and um, it also, you know, again, like it started with the Muslim women who um, who were actually there longer 
than me and have longer to go. So these are like women who um, have already been there at least 10 years and probably have another 10 years to go. Um, and, um, and they would just tell me about some of the things that they were, they would go through as Muslim women, because, um, most of the prison are, um, you know, the, um, the dominant, um, religion in prison is Christianity. Um, and so, you know, um, to be a Muslim in prison, um, meant that those women went without many of the, um, religious materials that, um, is their right to have. Um, so they went without Qur'ans, they went without hijabs, they went without um, 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 the things that they needed to properly practice um, their spirituality. Um, and listening to um, their stories of horror, of how the, the officers would treat them, the retaliation, if they grieved it, um, the... Um, the takings of their monies, um, like out of their uh, prison um, monetary account. Um, and so we started to organize around that, you know. Um, with, and, it, and, it, and it's not like you're going to say, all right, I must organize around this. You know, you're, you're, you're just saying, who, like, what can I do to make sure that I can have some, I get to keep some of my dignity in this mm. place, you know? That's right. That's and right. H- what what do I need for me to survive mm. in this place? Um, and that's what the women were saying. Like, this is what we need. To, this is my situation. I'm in this prison. I can't get out. So I'm, I choose to... Um, I choose to continue to live by doing this. And this is what I need. Yeah. You know? um, this is all I need. Right. right. This is all I need. I need a Quran. I need to I need to have fresh food. I need to be able to fast. I need to make my prayers. And this is that was and that was being denied to them. Um hmm. and so that's when um we reached out to um care. Um um, Amy Ducare um, was one of the one of was my first visit ever inside of the prison, um, and she came in to see me and um, and was like, I got word that they're doing this and this and that, and I was like, uh huh, you know, yeah. The Council on American Islamic Relations in Michigan filed two civil rights complaints today. The first complaint is about the treatment of pregnant 26-year-old Siwatu Salama Ra. The council says she wasn't given access to a hijab or Quran in prison. MDOC would not allow her her own holy book to read. They also say Ra is being denied meal accommodations for her religion. She cannot. And we, you know, got to telling her everything about what was going on with me, what was going on with some of the women. And, you know, and and Amy got to work, you know, got to work where I saw myself on TV a few weeks later. Um, and I'm telling you, like, like while it was airing on TV, all of the women was like, Rah! Oh, my God. 
Yeah. You, you were on TV, uh-huh. girl. Like, girl, uh-huh. you know, all of that. Like, go ahead, Ra, you know, and all of that. You know, like, oh, you inspired me, Ra. You know, like, because oh, everybody wow. call you by your last name, you know, because it cannot be personal inside of a prison. So you are your last name, right? You don't have a first name in there. Um, so you're Ra. So I was Ra, you know. Um, and I remember, like, w- mm. being so embarrassed about seeing myself on TV and being like, I, you know, just, I didn't like that. Um, at, I didn't like it one bit. Um, but I know that like, you didn't like seeing yourself. No, there? I did not. No, I did not. I, I was really, I thought it was going to be something totally different. I thought that oh. I was really upset about that, but you know, that's fine, you know. That's fine now. But during the like <laughs> inside, it it, be, it can become it can become you know like um, retaliatory. Well, yeah. I mean, I was worried about that. You know, I was worried about retaliation. Um, but you know, you don't. You don't want to be the girl who's on, t- you know, on the news, you know, in, in right. some instances. Right, like standing out and getting attention yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can get, it can become negative. Um, yeah, so yeah, I get that. I was really bothered by that. But while it was airing, I know that we got a phone call and they were like, they said something where they wheelchaired me all the way to the property room to pick up my headscarf that had been sitting there for like, I don't know how long, um, you know, but I'm like, and then wow. the, the, the officer who was handing it to me and the inmate, it was, it's so in the property room, they have an, uh, officer and an inmate, um, working together. And the officer was like, I don't know who you is, but uh, they called me all the way from such and such just to come to this property room and open it up to give you this scarf. And the inmate said, "This okay. or this woman said, um, girl, I don't know who you is and who out there fighting for you, but you all are so inspiring, you know. And so, like, wow. a lot of, like, yeah. just... You know, a lot of people would just, you know, stop me on the walkway like, man, like, who are those people that come and see you in the visiting room? You know, like, they're so inspiring, you know, which they're talking about <laughs> Eel and Michelle and, you know, like, they had, like, oh, and my yeah. mom and mm-hmm. Amina and the mm-hmm. babies, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like, y'all are just, I just love y'all, like, you know, just wanting to be friends and mm-hmm. You know, like, y'all are so uh-huh. inspiring, you know. And so it then, it, you know, it transformed into the poetry, you know, and kind of like um, asking the women. It was kind of like a hard thing to ask them, like, hey, can I, you know, like, could you write some poetry? You know, which mm-hmm. which a lot of poets, a lot of people who, who practice creative writing are really, like, um, protective over their, over their work, right? You know, and so, like... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember, like, asking the women to, you know, like, like what could we, you know, like, to write some, to just write, you know? And I remember mm-hmm. sitting outside on the small yard, and it was a table full of us, and we all had our poems in front of us, and we, we literally, like, were, were, like, 
reciting our poetry one by one and either it made us cry or it made us giggle um you know Mm -hmm. listening to each other's poems and um you know like and at the end of each poem each all of us would be like Ooh, that's so deep you know stuff like that like yeah. you know like and it yeah you know like oh girl that oh that one line was so nice you know I felt that you know yes. and that was when I realized that how resilient these women were and how yes. I was so surprised, even in my own self, of just to be able to let go of the terror, you know, the anger, and able yeah. to like sit in that moment and appreciate what was going on in that moment, which was love, you know, which was compassion, um, yeah. which was honor, you know, and yeah, um, you know, and I, you know, and so we took those poems and we, and I was like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna send them out and we're gonna see what happens. And, you know, we, so we sent these poems out. Um, and, you know, days later we get pictures back of a poetry event with different featured poets who read these poems at the event. Um, and the, the, the faces on these on these women when they saw their poetry being represented in a space like that was absolutely phenomenal um yeah. you know to see themselves like you know like oh my and, and and that's what they were saying like oh my god that's my poem you know like that's my poem yes. you know oh my yeah. god that, that's who wrote my who read my poem oh she's beautiful i'm glad she read my poem or you know things like that oh, like that's so beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, um, and they were so excited to actually like be represented in the space and to have their work honored in, in that um, event, and then to have it be transformed into kites um, being flown at Belal, and then a kite that was engineered in some kind of way um, by complex movements that was um, that th- that is now on display at different like. On a different, like, um, they were like just so just like abundant creativity Mm -hmm. came flowing out of absolutely, Mm -hmm. you know, just Mm -hmm. just absolutely. I think a lot of it was simply bringing humanity back to people who had been stripped of their humanity and their dignity, because that's how the system works. The system works by one imprisoning you in a place that takes you away from everything that you love. So the place that you're in is not a place of love. It's not a place of humanity. It's not a place of dignity, you know, but somehow the women through writing poems and things of this nature were able to get just a small grasp of their humanity again you know, and yes. even the guards were surprised, you know, because didn't one of the guards say something about civil rights? Mm-hmm. No, human rights. Yeah. You know, like, like whoa, right? human yeah. rights. I've, yeah, yeah, she did. She was like, I've been working here for over 20 years and I didn't know they respect people's rights, you know, and, you know, that yeah. was her telling me, like, you know, like, that's like, I've been here that this long and I've never seen that, you know, um, which was really powerful. Yeah, there's this poet 
Mahmoud Darwish um, is a Palestinian poet, and he has this poem called The Prison Cell that you may have heard, but it's so incredible. And it's about that, like how how as a prisoner, his him unleashing his imagination created a longing in the guard who was coming to, to tie him up or to lock him in chains, so much so that the, the guard was just like, how where did you get your freedom and how can you give it to me? <laughs> like, can, can you help me get mine basically? Um, and I think there's something so incredible in, in what you're sharing about that, you know, that spark of liber- liberation and that spark of dignity is, it is something they try to stamp out. And then in any act of reclaiming it, um, it becomes a spark for a fire. It, you know, who knows where that fire can go and, and what it can change um, in its process. And so I'm a deep believer in, in what we can do to shape the future and that it gets shaped collectively, you know, that it gets shaped by a lot of people holding on to or generating a new belief system. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I think your entire situation, um, and the fact that you are out now with your babies, holding your babies with your mother, with your family, with your husband, with your sweet love, you know, with your, your sweet family. Like there's so many people that love you. And the fact that you're out with them now is not an accident. I think it is um, a miraculous mm. work yeah. that um, came from lots of different kind of faith. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and I felt like y'all had so much leadership in allowing a lot of different kinds of faith to come to the table mm-hmm. and operate on your behalf. Absolutely. And I just want to really affirm that, you know, that, that I felt like so many different ways of, like you said, so many people showed up with offers and y'all said yes, yeah. you know, um, and there's just so much wisdom in that. And I'm so grateful that it has manifested in this, this period of freedom. And I'm excited for it to manifest to the next level where there's nothing no listening devices on you, and I'm excited for it to manifest um, into the next level of freedom, which is, you know, what your children and your children's children and your children's mm-hmm. children's children mm-hmm. will do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so grateful for y'all. Thank you for making time so soon after come. you know, I know you're just out, and I was like, I don't want to add anything to her schedule right after she comes out, but I just wanted as many people as possible to hear your voice and hear from both of you the wisdom and brilliance um, with which you survived this apocalypse and um, with which you are turning and facing and shaping the future. Yeah. Yeah. Love wins. Yeah. That's what I said. I said, I said, oh, love wins. To learn more about how you can support the movement for justice for Sawatu and her family, please go to freesawatu.org. That's F-R-E-E-S-I-W-A-T-U dot org. Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Another incredibly helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. Thanks. How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen. Music for today's show comes from Blue Dot Sessions and Mother Cyborg. <laughs>